Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. News team, assemble! back and bigger than ever it's the unofficial 40 from soonerscoop.com now here's the entire sooner scoop crew carrie josh eddie and bob all right welcome back it is another edition of the unofficial 40 podcast a little bit of a unique edition this week as uh, eddie radosovich will join us here at the beginning and then josh and bob will uh, join us later on to hit up the recruiting trail because, uh, ladies and gentlemen, one Edward Lawrence Radosevich III has put on his uh, Big J journalism pants, and he is in Omaha, Nebraska, where he will be covering the College World Series for us here. Uh, as they say on the board, can't get your asses off the couch to go cover the women in Oklahoma City, but you sure will drive your asses all the way to Omaha. Good evening. I mean, that's just what we do here. I mean, isn't that why we do the unexpected? That- yes. We're, we're going the extra mile. It, it, Oklahoma City's too close. I went it's to too easy. Yeah. City. It's too easy. Yeah. So, yeah, we're no coming challenge. to Omaha, Nebraska. And everybody expected everybody expected the OU softball team to win it all. So, you know. Right. Right. Congratulations, and, and ladies. I mean, you did what everybody expected of you. I mean, Yeah. I mean, come they on. didn't even... They didn't even run rule the championship series, even though there wasn't a run rule. And yeah, sure you up, might have to clarify that there was the no run one, rule. The first one would have been a run rule. Yeah, it would have been. I guess the second one would have been a run rule as well. So technically, they did run rule. Well, give it to them. So, uh, yes, you are in Omaha where uh, oh, I am. it this is, is exciting. I've never I mean, who would have thought that I, Carrie, if you would have asked me at the beginning of the year, if we were going to make two trips to Nebraska in the year 2022, I would have said no way. Well, not after the OSU and Texas series. Oh, I mean, no. I mean, I, and that's kind of like what I like. That's one of the big storylines. By the way, uh, you can go check out the Big J journalism. But uh, Eddie has a fantastic uh, preview of the NCAA men's 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 college world. That's hard to say. Men's college world. I was trying to say men's women's college world series, but that's it's not a co-ed. It's just the men. Well, it, that's the thing, though, because they but they do put the men's in front. Well, they it, need to because the women have elevated the sport. I mean, sure. they deserve it. Like, I don't want to hear any of this. Oh, why do they have to qualify it with men? Is it they got to they got to declare pronouns before every at bat too? Like, no, the the the, the women have, have have raised. I mean, more people are probably going to watch the women's college world series than the men's, and at least in the first round. Well, the, yeah, I, I would even I would imagine so. I mean, it's uh, it's a monster. Women, I mean, softball has become a monster, and especially in Oklahoma City. I mean, it's just it's incredible, the epicenter of the world. But and yes, I'm it's the times we live this. in and all that stuff. But just just deal with it. It's a men's college World Series. Sure. No, it, and it's crazy because I think that like it's one of the things that I you know has really kind of I was thinking about driving up here today was just the fact that I mean. You know, you go back into the middle of April, and I remember we would mention baseball and stuff on the podcast and kind of just do little updates. And 
there were some serious like moments and you know, I, I really like Skip Johnson. It's pretty obvious, uh, that, you know, we have a decent relationship and, you know, I, the way things were going and the way that the bullpen was throwing at the end in, in the middle of April, it just, there had to be some like tough conversations there as far as like, what is the direction of the program? And I think that like even more so for Oklahoma fans was just the fact that you look at, you know, where this thing is going as far as going into the SEC and knowing how good that conference is in baseball and, you know, what they've accomplished certainly hasn't helped the facilities by any means. I think anybody that is associated with the OU program knows that there still needs to be some advancements made in that uh, area. Well, but now that softball is taken great, care of, this yeah, is a great they can, start. They this can start focusing on baseball. So, um, no, but uh, you wrote about it today. I mean, we, I think everybody is now a fan of Oklahoma baseball. They've gotten a taste. Uh, but you kind of you kind of walked everybody through the season. By the way, you had two number twos, uh, and then you went to four. I don't know if that was uh, you didn't really. Oh, whoops! There you go. I should have there. I should have looked at I'll, it before it went it. up. No, it's okay. I can handle it. I'm I'm gonna do as much heavy lifting as I can. Uh, this is this is quite an accomplishment getting Eddie to Omaha. It wasn't the most most uh, popular decision in the scoop offices this week. Somebody somebody wouldn't let me go. But uh, they relented in letting Eddie go because I've never been. I've never been to Omaha either. Not even not like I said that before. Never to the old Rosenblatt. Never to this one. Uh, and just after trying to book hotel rooms and seeing the price gouging that's going on, I wanted to go even more. I yeah, mean, we're talking. Make, it sounds like they make Lubbock look like it's child's play. Yes, they do. I mean, we're talking downtown regular Marriott, seven hundred nineteen dollars a night. <laughs> Downtown residents in nine hundred ninety nine dollars a night. Like insane. And and Josh was like, "We'll go on to Airbnb because Dustin McComas says that that's what he does." And like I went on to Airbnb, and I didn't. I I've done VRBO. I've done Airbnb. I didn't know this until I looked at rooms in Omaha. Like you can Airbnb just to a room in a house. Oh my god! And that like, would it's amazing. Be the most like, awkward thing of all time. You go to Airbnb and it's like private room. <laughs> And it's just a picture of a bed. No other pictures. Like, not what the outside of the house looks like. Not how big the house is. Like, not if you're in a dungeon. Like, it's just a picture of a bed. And I, I was like, I don't care. I, I don't need to save that much money. I'll pay, you know. We got some decent rates because we're staying at the media hotel. But, sure. Um, yeah, it's insane how, how many people are descending on Omaha. And I guess, I guess we can say it. And, and because, like you said, it's been 12 years. It's kind of like in in our circle, we've kind of forgot if this is a big deal or not anymore. And you're going to get to experience it firsthand. No, I I think so. And, you know, I I think just, you know, talking to Skip throughout the season and especially when it kind of started becoming a reality, when they started playing well and they won the five series in a row at the end of the season, uh, you know, he offered it up more and more just as far as, you know, he's been here. He'd been here with Texas. And I think that, you know, it's an experience. It's something that, you know, any college baseball player, uh, when they start the season and, you know, I think Oklahoma has been rolling out some videos that they shot at the beginning of the season during the preseason, even during the fall about, you know, what's your goals and, you know, you get Peyton Graham or Kendall Pettis or any of those guys, uh, to talk about, you know, getting to Omaha. That's what everybody, I mean, shit, half of uh, college baseball has something about Omaha on an outfield wall, like Oklahoma does at Eldell. And, you know, I, I think that that kind of resonates. It's going to be cool to see these guys kind of get their first view of, you know, I, I, I always want to call it Rosenblatt or DT Ameritrade, but I know that it's 
Charles Schwab field now. Uh, but to see them get their first look at it when they get out on the practice field tomorrow is going to be kind of cool. And, uh, you know, I think just personally, just being able to come up here and see it after, you know, watching it for so many years on television. And, you know, Carrie, it's like, it's kind of crazy. I like, I remember OU getting up here in 2010. 94, though, like, I remember that team, but I don't necessarily remember that team, if you know what I mean. Like, I, I remember I mean, the name. Yeah, no, I just don't remember Obviously remember games. it better. Um, you know, that was a year when they, I want to say they beat Auburn in uh, the regional, the super regional at the uh, 89er Stadium. All sports, All yeah. All sports. I, I kind of remember, like, maybe going to that, but, you know, I was like six, seven years old, so I don't really, nec- I was probably rolling on the hill. <laughs> no, but I mean, it was a big damn deal. Like everyone in Oklahoma City was at that game. I mean, well, it everybody was, had the twenty-five uh, guys hanging on the same rope T-shirt. I it's think pulling. I think, like, that it's, was you like keep a saying hanging. You said Oklahoma that there, it's pulling on the same rope. It's twenty-five guys pulling, pulling on, the same, on the same rope. Yeah, there you go. No, but I mean, I, that was the thing. It's like they had to go to Florida to go through it. Then they had to go to Virginia Tech. So you didn't really get to have that communal kind of celebration like you did. Uh, when they went back in 94, and it just kind of built. I, I remember, I want to say I went to the Big 8 tournament that year, and they played Nebraska, and I think they might have gotten beat before the reach. I can't remember how I played. It just seemed like that was a weird tournament, that Big 8 tournament that year. Uh, but, I mean, the whole Damon Minor being so good at baseball, and Damon was fantastic. And uh, But you did, you know, did kind of get to learn the players as the season went along, which is what is so fun to see is like people figuring out who Jake Bennett are and and getting to see Kate Horton and uh, obviously uh, I mean people knew if they knew anything they probably knew about Peyton Graham on this baseball sure. team heading into the season but then get to see Jackson Nicholas do what he's in uh, and, and especially uh, Pettis I mean uh, the just the way Kendall Pettis the way he's played Jimmy Crooks you know was really good in that Florida regional but it's like all these guys you get to know who they are uh, and you know what they're and, and obviously Tr- Tanner Treadaway is the one guy that everybody just comes out of that region like holy shit like that guy's good. He was incredible. He's been really good over the, about the last month and a half. I mean, it seems like he's basically going into the NCAA tournament. He was hitting damn near four hundred uh, for the last month. You have Kendall Pettis who's hitting nine three ninety three, and it's you know it's, it's kind of cool too that Tanner Treadaway's relationship with. Skip Johnson, who, you know, his grandfather was actually Skip's mentor uh, when he was at Pan Am uh, down in Texas when he was first breaking in as a coach. And, you know, I, I think that, like, stuff like that is is especially meaningful. You don't hear Skip talk about, like, being emotional too much. Uh, and, you know, I think that that is something that kind of tugs at his heartstrings is being able to do this with, uh, you know, a guy that he's kind of watched grow up in front of him. And, uh, you know, it... It's just, it's unique too. You have, you know, I I think it was uh, Chaz Martinez uh, tweeted something out. uh, I think it was maybe last night talking about how his dad has now sent, you know, him and his brother both, uh, Renee, who was on the OU 2010 team. Mm -hmm. uh, They've they've both gone to to Omaha with Oklahoma. So, you know, those are the kind of the cool stories that, you know, hopefully we can kind of explore. And then, you know, obviously like, I know that everybody that you know is real in depth on OU baseball knows about Reggie Willits and what he's brought to the program, but uh, you know it's it's a major difference. It's a it's a major difference in what they've done on the base pass. Obviously, uh, you know they come up here having stolen the most bases of any team that's still left in the tournament. So it's been uh, it's been a night and day difference. And you know I think that anybody 
that maybe watch this team and, you know, the, the New Orleans series when they blow a late lead in the ninth inning or, you know, obviously the Texas series when everybody was watching or the Bedlam series when they should have got out of Stillwater with the series victory. Those are frustrating times. And I think that, you know, for them to be able to kind of weather that storm and then get on a roll, it's it's kind of been special. It's been it's been a lot of fun to watch. What can you tell us about Oklahoma's first opponent, uh, Texas A&M? They kind of mirror Oklahoma. I think that, you know, it, it's it's one of those teams that wasn't expected to be as good as they've been. Uh, it's a little bit different in that, you know, Jim Schlossnagel's down there now from TCU. Uh, there's a familiarity there with the brand of baseball. And, you know, I, I think more than anything, Texas A&M is basically a team full of transfer portal guys. And they took advantage of being able to get guys in there that have experience Uh, that, you know, they were probably doubted by a lot of people, especially within the SEC. And, you know, they've been able to kind of weather that storm, kind of like how Oklahoma has, and they're just as hot right now. It's kind of interesting that they're the first two teams out of the gates on Friday, and you look at, you know, Oklahoma hasn't lost a weekend series since April 10th, uh, which is just insane to think about. Texas A&M hasn't lost a weekend series since April 4th, the week before. So, They've been really, really good. Uh, they've put themselves, obviously, into position to where, uh, you know, they were a national seed. They're one of only two national seeds that made it up here, which is kind of unique in a way. And, you know, I, I think that it's a really interesting matchup, particularly with Oklahoma and A&M, as well as who else is in their pod with Notre Dame, who was kind of the story of uh, oh, wow. the yeah. NCAA tournament last week. And then Texas, who, you know, Oklahoma's more than familiar with. So, those are kind of the three teams that Oklahoma's going to have to get through. The one thing that is different from the Women's College World Series with the uh, the uh, the stuff up here is they they don't flip brackets. So yeah, it's just you go into the loser's bracket if you lose. And those are your three yeah. teams that you know uh, that you're going to have to get through if you want to make it to uh, Saturday in a championship series. So essentially, yeah, you have one team that will make it through and then everybody else will fight for that other spot to get into the championship series. Yep. Yep. And then uh, I... I I think I saw today that uh, Schlossnagel, they did announce that uh, Nathan Detmer is going to be their starting pitcher. He's a sophomore. Uh, you know, kind of good news for Oklahoma. He's a sophomore right-hander. But, you know, maybe, I don't know. Maybe they've, they've kind of found their way against left-handers. When you have Brett Squires and uh, Jackson Nicholas getting base hits off left-handers, it, uh, yeah. it makes everything feel a little bit better than where that thing was uh, maybe even a month ago before the Big 12 tournament Any started. reason to think that Jake Bennett's not Oklahoma starter? No, I, 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 yeah, no, I, they've been setting it up to where it's going to be the regular rotation of Jake and then David Sandlin and then Kate Horton, you know, maybe if just because Kate Horton's pitched so well over the last couple of weeks, maybe if they were to lose, maybe they look at throwing Kate Horton in the second game. But, you know, I think that that's obviously something that they would, uh, decide when they get there i i Wouldn't i think it's gonna though, be jake that, bennett that horton is the least likely guy to to you know log a bunch of innings i mean it's it's i mean he's made his way back but it seems like he's still a guy that they're very cautious with his pitch counts still uh horton yeah yeah i you know i you look at the last three starts that he's had you know the most notable starts that he's uh made the texas game again in the big 12 tournament and then uh, you know, his back to back starts here over the last two weeks with the season literally on the line in a regional flo- uh, regional final in Florida and Gainesville. And then uh, Monday out in Blacksburg, 
I think he's been right under 100 pitches. I think it was like 96. Yeah, he's logging five and six innings around there. I mean, max. Yes, yes. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I, I don't think that they necessarily would be, you know, uncomfortable if he got to a hundred and you know it's a tight ball game. But uh, you know, I, 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 with the way that well, everything I'm just saying, I'm together, just saying, like a couple of days later, like oh sure, yeah. How much? I would think that they would want to give Cade more rest than their other pitchers. Yes, just because 100%. of his recent injury history. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. It uh, and you know, I, I think that there's probably a little bit of a. Uh, it's easier to make that move in the bullpen with the way that Carter Campbell's been pitching or a Chaz Martinez or, uh, you know, a Carson Atwood and Ben Abram. I like I don't expect Ben Abram to eat up a bunch of innings up here, but uh, he's come in and been able to give them quality, quality innings, at least. And, you know, I think that if you look back at some of the situations that they were throwing in, uh, you know, midway through the year when they were having all the bullpen problems, the starters weren't necessarily doing their job and they were having to basically go to the bullpen in the fourth or fifth inning and then basically say, okay, go get the final 15 outs or go get the final 18 outs of a game. And that became tough. And, you know, obviously it's, it's certainly helped that they've been able to get somebody like a Trevin Michael really going. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that anybody, when he signed expected him to be hitting 96 and then, breaking off pitches that he has like I it just when you see a kid from Piedmont that ended up at Lamar I don't think that there's you know just on paper Gary I, I don't think that anybody thought that he was going to turn into the type of closer that he's been over the last couple of weeks well and l- let me ask you this I mean you you followed Skip uh you know as close as anybody do you expect that after you go through a regional and a super regional and win it uh that there's any tweaks to the lineup for the college world series or you know, do you, I mean, obviously you're not going to do anything with Pettis at the nine hole. I mean, that's just been a great, a great marriage there. Uh, but could you see, I don't know, maybe Robertson going up or down? I mean, could you see maybe, you know, trying somebody for Wallace Clark here and there? Probably not. I mean, they've stuck with the same uh, lineup outside of, I want to say that second game out in Gainesville. Uh, against Florida, the one that they lost when they put Max McGuire in there to try to get a right-handed bat. They've kind of stuck with everything. And and I think they've kind of uh, found a little bit of a balance uh, with, you know, Wallace Clark. And he's obviously, he's able to switch hit no matter who's on the mound. Uh, you know, they've just been really solid. And I think that finding that balance and finding a way to stick with a lineup has kind of been something that Skip has never done. And with things rolling the way that they are, it's almost like why touch it now with uh, with what they've done. And you know, I, I don't know if he's superstitious in any way, but uh, you know, I, I think that they probably stick with what 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 they're doing right now. And it, it's kind of incredible the way that the the thing like as much as we want to talk about the Kendall Pettises or the Blake Robertson who was hitting at an All American clip at the beginning of the year. Or, you know, Peyton Graham, who is an All-American or eventually will be an All-American by the end of the year. Like, stories like John Spikerman are just insane to me. Like, he's a guy that literally pinch hit on the Sunday of Bedlam in, like, the fifth or sixth inning. He had had some back injuries, uh, you know, that basically sidelined him throughout the entire fall when he got to Norman. Uh, They wanted to try to start getting him in at some point because they knew about his speed. And, you know, he basically pinch hit. And then 
got a couple more opportunities and just kept getting on base and then started making plays out in the outfield. And, you know, he, it made it easier to have Brett Squires just focus at DH and then put Spikerman out and right. So it's going to be kind of interesting. Like I, it, those stories are kind of fascinating to me, just how well all of that's come together and how comfortable those freshmen are in, in big spots. I mean, you have Jackson Nicholas getting the game winning RBI in Florida. Uh, you have, you know, Wallace Clark, he hasn't necessarily had just like memorable at bats, but he's had really, really solid at bats and he's able to handle the bat, uh, you know, to a certain extent of just putting the ball in place. Something that, you know, I think anybody that has followed Oklahoma over the last couple of years, that's been the difference in not making the NCAA tournament. Well, yeah, you look at you look at you look at Nicholas and Squires. They were kind of two of the biggest two out rally guys uh, throughout yeah. that Virginia Tech series. I mean, they they did some impressive stuff with a couple of outs. Let me ask you this: um, chance uh, you could get a Shohei Otane moment from Cade Horton coming up to the plate on an off day? <laughs> I like in a in a real game. I would hope that he doesn't get any at bats, just for the fact that. That means you're probably taking the bat out of somebody's hands that uh, would have a little bit better opportunity getting on base. I mean, I don't know. I I think that his full transition, you know, Skip talked about it kind of at the midpoint when they decided to make the move and put him in the weekend rotation. He compared it a lot to uh, Cade Cavalli and what they did with Cade during his freshman year when he played a lot of first base over there. And, you know, it just it obviously didn't work out like his his future was always going to be on the mound it was always going to be a guy that you know obviously had really really good stuff now one of the top prospects in the national system and I think that you know without that experience with what they put Cade through I don't know if they would have been able to make that move with uh with with Cade Horton so it 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 worked out it obviously is a little bit different because Cade's coming off of Tommy John and they wanted to kind of stretch his arm out. And so they used him over at third base, uh, you know, for the first part of the season. And, you know, it seemed like everything kind of coincided because when they made that move with Cade, that allowed Wallace Clark to step in at third and he ran with the job. Oh, he's been great defensively. I mean, fantastic. Oh, he's, I mean, yeah. he's, he's excellent. He's a great athlete, too. Like, I, I don't really necessarily remember him as a quarterback, but he was really good. Don't see a lot of Holland Hall games, though, to be honest. No, no, I do not. Um, we do not. I, I, I just want to tell everyone, I know what you're going to do online and in Twitter. And, Eddie, you're a, you're a big J journalist this week. You're not an influencer. I just want to, don't be asking about, you know, getting hammered in the stadium and checking out the concession stands. He's got work to do this week. So just, just be, try and be a little courteous and, and a little understanding. Yeah, don't make me do things I shouldn't. That's that's on you all. No, like that's on the you. The collective of Omaha. <laughs> that, no, you're Big J journalist now. You can't blame other people for your own problems. Well, I thought that's what Big J journalists do. They just blame everybody else. That's what Christine Brennan does all the time. Well, I mean, it's look, you wrote a novel for your first uh, piece on the site. I wanted to come out hot. You did come out very hot, other than your numbering scheme was off. Um but I'm really interested to see what this week turns into because no, be I have faith in you as a writer. Uh, you're, I think you have a really good style, and we're going to see it on full display. I'll be home basically playing the role of Eddie just grabbing video off of the server 
and uh, getting it ready to go with his story. So it's it's a real reverse of fortunes this week. I'm looking forward to it. No, it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be, you know, I. it's not one of those things that I necessarily, like, I don't know if I can sit here and say that I expect Oklahoma to win a national championship this year. I don't know if I'm ready to go there. But there are things over the last month that you just kind of go, damn, they're like actually playing really, really well right now. And they have a, a good, I don't know, like spirit about them. Like it, it's just a baseball team that they, I, I've tried to explain this before, but it's like they're not cocky or arrogant, but they do rub people the wrong way. And I think that they know they rub people the wrong way. And I don't know how that translates into a spot like this in Omaha. I just don't think they're it, a big IDGA. They're a big IDGAF team. Yeah. Like Peyton Graham's kind of like the, the leader of this whole thing. Yeah. And he's, yeah. he's not very loud. He's not very boisterous. But, but he pisses people off because he's, he's a twig out there just hitting bombs left yeah. and right. And I'm telling Absolutely. you, as a baseball player, that pisses you off. They don't have anybody that is necessary. Like Blake Robinson's obviously a really big guy. He's like six six, six seven. But outside of that, I mean, they're they're very normal, very average looking athletes, if that makes sense. I mean, and, I'm gonna tell you, like, yeah, Jake like, Bennett's huge, but it Yeah. It's 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 a nice collection of you have guys that, you know, in Tanner Treadway and Peyton Graham who have well, like, been around the program, kind of paid their dues, and then you work down into the freshmen and to the guys that have kind of spent some time around this thing. Yeah, and even their young guys. I mean, Kate Horton's sitting there, redshirt freshman, basically got a full sleeve, on a, a tattoo sleeve on his left yeah, it's hand. Yeah, a good look. It's a really good it's a, look. It's it a is good a, look for a pitcher. It's a big, you know, it's it, it's not like, like I know pitchers pretty well. Like I can watch a pitcher and tell, like, if he throws a, a pass ball, like it's going to get in his head. Uh, or if he gets, if somebody gets a jack off of him, it's going to get in his head. Cade Horton's the kind of guy like I just don't think he's. Now he did get rattled a little bit um, when Virginia Tech, who was it the the kid had that massive blast off of him. Um, yeah, uh, Chris. Uh, Diam uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Diamara or whatever, the left hander or whatever. Yeah, which was which was interesting though because after that two run homer. Things could have got really tight. Yeah, and, and he handled it well. All of a well. sudden, it's two, to, it's two, two, and he threw. I think the next pitch he threw a ball, and yes, and then he just started of, spotting his 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 breaking ball like nothing, like he hadn't done all day. Yeah, and just started and, mowing people down. You know, and I, I guess the thing that like stuck out to Skip was you know, and the pitching coach in him is after he throws that first ball after the home run, he goes to the back of the mound, kind of recomposed himself. And then got right back in, yeah, and got after it. And you know, I I think that for a guy that was making his like, I don't know, probably tenth career start or you know eighth career start, there's a lot of maturity there, and especially for a guy that was coming off Tommy John surgery. Well, and all you have to hit. do is compare it to the Florida pitchers and the in the Virginia Tech pitchers because you literally saw those guys fall apart in front of your eyes. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about that, and you know, I it's 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 interesting that. They ran so much during the season. They really haven't run as much, but it's always on people's minds because they know about the 142 stolen bases coming in. And I think that, you know, that certainly helped in Florida. They had a, I think it was the Bach on, uh, on Sunday that 
put runners in scoring position. That and led to the you know, at, Nicholas play that yeah. their fans got pissed off about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it it just it's it's all kind of come together. And uh, you know, it, it's it's kind of the cliche line of they're hot at the right time, but it's so true. They've been able to get out of big spots. They've been able to get out of uh, jams when pitchers have gotten into trouble. And, you know, it, it's a lot easier to, you know, play this game, obviously, when you're up three or four runs. And they've been able to do that because they've gotten big hits early in games and been able to build leads. And, you know, I, I, Kate talked about it on uh, on on Monday after the uh, the Blacksburg Super Regional. It was just you go out to the mound and you have a 2 nothing lead. It makes things a lot easier on him. Well, you are there. Uh, you just arrived. It's Wednesday night. You'll probably be. We'll probably air that. Well, we'll definitely. We're gonna do Josh and Bob on Thursday, so we'll mash it all together uh, for one big pod. But you'll be hearing this on Thursday. Just kind of give people a glimpse, like everything that goes on, like what the schedule is leading up to the first game uh, for Oklahoma. Yeah. So Oklahoma. Uh, everybody. It basically tomorrow is media day on Thursday up here. Uh, everybody will have an hour on the field. A and M's the home team because they're the. I, I think they're doing it by higher national seeds, but I don't like, I know that a and M is, but I don't know how like Notre Dame and Texas. I don't know how that's decided. I probably need to look into that, but neither here nor there Thursday, they get out on the field. a and out on the field first at 9 a.m. OU's on the field at 10 a.m. Uh, we'll be able to talk to skip and some players afterwards at like 11 15, uh, as part of like their quote unquote media day. And then, uh, you know, so on and so on. Everybody has an hour out on the field uh, tomorrow on Thursday. And then, you know, Friday afternoon, it all gets going. So 1 o'clock here in Omaha, it should be uh, should be really interesting. And then, obviously, you don't play back-to-back days. So regardless of if Oklahoma wins or loses, they will play on Sunday. If they lose, they play at 1 on Sunday. If they win, they will play at six o'clock on Sunday evening. So that would be pretty cool if you could set up an OU Texas or, uh, you know, OU Notre Dame matchup come Sunday night. Yeah. I mean, it really is a murderer's row of like, if you could pick teams that you wanted to play, you, you almost hit them all. Like maybe, maybe like, I don't know, old school people like, you know, you'd, you'd want OSU in there, obviously. Sure. But well, it's just like the whole thing is just, it's, kind of crazy too because of the OU and Texas like SEC connection now like I'm sure that that's going to be a big storyline as far as uh you know the o, especially the OU Texas A&M uh Texas Notre Dame pod because you know three of the four teams technically will be SEC teams here in a couple years uh, and then you know obviously you got Arkansas and old uh old Miss and Auburn on the other side so it's going to be SEC heavy there's no doubt about that I'm kind of interested to see what this entire scene is, I guess, all about. It's tough for the Big 12, too, because they can't, you know, hide Texas and Oklahoma behind other Big 12 teams that are there in their social yeah, media I mean, posts it, and all that stuff because they're always like, congratulations, our Big 12 teams. And it's like they show everyone but Oklahoma and Texas just to kind of... It is going to be kind of interesting to see how, like, the Big 12 handles, like, the social media aspect of that. I mean, I don't yeah. think that they're going to, like, screw them over by any means, but uh, I... I it. It has to be a little bit funny. I know pe- that, people want to say, like, well, Texas and Oklahoma should withhold their money from the Big 12. It doesn't work that way, though. The money gets paid to the Big 12, not to Oklahoma and Texas, like, yeah, for being I there. I think Joe C. might have – now, he might have to contact somebody about that. Like, hey, where's that check at? <laughs> Hopefully they're doing direct deposit. 
Well, if they both make it to the championship series, maybe they should just bargain that, you know, that's their buyout for the SEC. That would be beautiful. Like just just piss off Bowlesby, get him drunk one night, and just get him to make it like a, make a a gentleman's bet. I mean, the I would imagine that the Nebraska fans up here, you know, the hometown fans probably aren't too big fans of the Big Twelve, anyways. I'm sure that there could be a riot. Well, they hate Texas for sure. They hate Texas more than Oklahoma. I mean, I think Nebraska fans, if they're going to be in attendance, they're going to be rooting for Oklahoma just because there's always been that cordial relationship. Uh, and they hate Texas because the uh, the 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 second they put back on the clock in the last time they played in the Big Twelve was that Colt McCoy threw oh, it out yeah. of bounds. Oh like, yeah, they still remember that. What was that? Oh nine, oh ten, twenty ten. Had to be oh nine. I think. Uh yeah, it would well it would have been oh nine because Texas went on. Twenty ten was uh, the last Big Twelve championship, right? And that was OU in Nebraska. Nebraska. They jumped out to the 14 nothing lead, and Kenny right. Stills had a big day down at uh, Jerry World. So, I mean, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I I hope for the fan's sake that OU does well. I hope for our budget's sake that OU goes to and barbecue. <laughs> well, I can start prostituting if I need to. <laughs> no, I was I was willing to prostitute the hell out of this trip. I was, I was willing to sell uh, unofficial 40 merch out of the trunk and... It would have been awesome live if we would have been in the, uh, the parking lot just pushing merch all over the place. I wonder if they let you do that. I don't know. I could see, the, like, I, I, I've been told it's kind of like a college football tailgating atmosphere over in the parking lot. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, though. I have no idea. I got to go, like, kind of check out that scene tomorrow. I need to go get the credential and all that kind of stuff in the yeah. morning and yeah. uh, get all kind of set up for the media day that will come. So it's going to be, it's going to be fun. I, I think well, that we're going to have we'll keep, a lot of interesting stuff coming out of here. And we'll keep checking in from Omaha when we get chances, depending on how this thing goes. Uh, it won't be the last you'll hear from Eddie from Omaha. So uh, we'll, we'll put together some, when it's warranted, we'll put together some uh, podcasts for you guys, kind of like this one. Uh, and uh, looking forward to everything coming out of tomorrow, uh, everything coming out of the team. Of course, they just left the airport send off today. Uh, looked like it was it was pretty well attended. A lot of people up on the concourse of the base of the of Eldell uh, getting autographs, sending off the players. So a uh, lot of support for the players, and uh, I know it's an exciting time for Skip and his staff. And uh, shout out to our guy Ryan Gaines because you know he's really enjoying this as well. Um, but uh, yeah, gonna be fun following along, and uh, we'll uh, we'll come back. We'll we'll tell you a little bit about Dead Soxie here, and then we'll talk to uh, Bob and Josh about everything going on. Uh, with recruiting. So, Eddie, uh, I would say enjoy yourself, but don't enjoy yourself too much. Big J journalism, you know. Big J journalism and a brand of maturity is what we will go with throughout the rest of the week until trouble comes up here, unless Eric Bailey starts making me go out at all hours of the night. Now, I, I'm going to... I, we didn't even think about this. With all the steakhouses in Omaha, we're going to have to put you on a per diem. We can't have well, I'm like, on a diet. I'm we on can't a have diet, like a so seventy five we can't have you getting the seventy five, you know, dollar prime cuts and stuff like that. I'll make uh, some of the Texas people. I might make Brian Davis for somebody pay for it. You know that's not gonna happen. Not with all your followers. <laughs> with, they're gonna I mean, think, they're the gonna Austin demand American that you pay for it. Money. 
I mean, you're you're the you're the influencer of the year in Oklahoma. They're going to expect that you have all kinds of cash. Just like that's what Josh and I were trying to figure out the other. Like, how much money do you have? Like, I'm poor. I, I we don't I don't really buy that. I think maybe you're hoarding money. I wish that was the case. <laughs> I wish that was the case. I wouldn't have a dent on my car if I uh, if I had money. See, I think it's that's but maybe the I'll act. come across some money. I maybe think I, you dent in the car to just to, to make it look like you don't have any money. I need to go get dinner with Warren Buffett. He might make me eat a child, but <laughs> we will uh, we will get some money by the end. Well, he doesn't own the Tulsa World anymore, I guess. So, uh, yeah, if Bailey's Bailey's not going to be wanting to have dinner with him. I don't know. Is that the only guy you're going to have to run with? Or are we in the Tulsa World? Is the Oklahoman up there covering it? I don't know. Like I, I would imagine that they're sending somebody, but I, I really don't know. I haven't talked to Aver or anybody. Maybe right. Jacob Unruh? I, I really don't know. Uh, yeah, it's, I would think that they'd send somebody. Um, anyway, uh, no, Eddie, uh, going to enjoy the coverage. Uh, and uh, trust me, Josh is going to demand a lot out of you. Uh, he has laid down the gauntlet that this is a productive trip. So I will be here to help in any way that I can. Wish I was there with you. Uh, but we at some point want to open up the studio someday. So it's better that I not go. Um, so anyway... Uh, Back on the other side, we'll talk to uh, Josh and, and uh, Bob about recruiting. But, Eddie, enjoy tomorrow. Look forward to the coverage from Omaha. Will do. I appreciate it. I promise I will I will make you guys proud this week. I promise. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right. want to remind you guys, uh, our great sponsor, Dead Socks, he having their Father's Day sale going on right now. Uh, I know uh, Josh is now with us. And uh, I know, Josh, you're a big fan of the Dead Socks. You've got your... Uh, packet sent to you and uh, probably even like me have, have gone in and gotten even more uh, so just a, a great time of the year get your no shows out there Eddie's uh, big using those on the golf course and uh, it's just nice to to not show some socks uh, while you're out there wearing your sneakers when it's so hot outside right now so deadsoxy.com remember it's their father's day sale going on right now 35% off site-wide. Go to deadsoxy.com. That's D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. Take advantage of that 35% off uh, site-wide sale. Promo code SCOOP, and you're going to get 35% off your entire order. That's the collegiate socks. That's the Maker Bayfields. Uh, that's the no-shows. That's the boardroom. Anything on the site, 35% off. So happy Father's Day from Dead Soxy. Uh, they want to reward all you dads out there uh, with great deals. I know... Some of you probably can't get it in time, but you might as well take advantage of this order. So 35% off. Use that promo code SCOOP. And as always, stay soxy. All right. Uh, let's get into... We've had the baseball chat. I know. Josh, actually, you. I think you're probably a little disappointed to miss the baseball chat because you don't... Actually, of all the, the other sports, you don't really hate baseball. No, I, I, I'm good with baseball. I mean, you like softball. You know, I know I softball is probably number one on your non-football... Mm -hmm. Because yep. it's probably above basketball even, isn't it? 100%. Wow. 100%. Wow. The, the, there, there's no question. The, the, you, what, what did you call them last week? Ball and stick sports or something like that? Like, sports, yeah, yeah, like that. that, that, that I, I don't know why I just gravitate toward those. And I watch you know, a lot more MLB than I do college baseball. But there's no question. Like regional, You're super regional. You're such a regionals, whore, though. Like, I get you've into had a, it. You've had a different major league team, uh, different <laughs> parts unfair. of your life uh, as long as I've known you. My my dad is a listener, and he is literally nodding his head as we speak because I grew up, and that was the deal, and I picked the Marlins because basically my dad sent me, and I was like, quit 
quit jumping from team to team. Pick a damn baseball team. And so I was like, I'm going to pick the Marlins because when they were expanding and everybody was kind of, you know, from Oklahoma's Rockies. So I was like, I'm going to be a Marlins guy. I, I have been, you know, anti the, the norm since I, since I was very young. So I was like, I'm going to go Marlins and stuck with them for a while, got sick of, like, oh, we built this good team, and now it's just a fire sale. Like, I, I, I couldn't do that yeah. anymore. It was and, uh, uh, Wayne uh, Heisinga, right? That yep. screwed it all well, up? Well, he was the one in, I mean, but they went through several ownership groups, and they just, yeah. the same model never changed. I mean, that was like, okay, that's all, that's the only way they're going to do it. And they built the new stadium with, like, yeah. was it with, and like, kind highlight of, blood money or something like that was involved yeah, in that? They kind of bamboozled a whole neighborhood. Like, I think it's in Little Havana there in Miami, and, like, they kind of convinced them they were going to do all this stuff, and they just didn't live up to any of their end of the deal. And, and then they like, put I that just, embarrassing thing in it. center field. Yes. Well, I mean, I kind of love that kind of stuff, but you know, that, that, that's me. But yeah, so I was like, screw it. And my dad, again, huge Cardinals fan. I was like, I'm going to be a Cardinals fan. I'm going to get on board here. And then I just, you know, like when you try something and you just don't connect to it, like I right. wanted to, like I tried and I couldn't get there. And it was kind of right as the Astros were becoming watchable baseball. Like here I'd gone go. for years. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd gone for years to Astros games when they were terrible and made fun of you know, like they had the sign out front. It was like Hunter Pence. And I told Tiffany, I was like, you know, you're shitty when Hunter Pence is like your, your big stadium guy. And then of course he goes on to win like two world series. Yeah. He becomes so, a centerpiece you know, of the San yeah. Francisco Giants besides it, Baumgartner's. Exactly. Run. I mean, so yeah, yeah. So I, I got to be the asshole there. But so, I mean, it, it just kind of like everyone's like, Oh, you jumped on the bandwagon. I mean, and kind of, I mean, I'm not saying it's not kind of fair. But like I'd been watching them for a long time, and it just they I just kind of liked them, and everybody's like, "Well, don't you you know like have a problem?" No, the fact that everybody else hates them more only appeals to me. Like that, I'm like, okay, now now I'm all in because everyone hates you like them. The and, heel aspect and, of being a yes, fan. and rightfully hates them. They have every right to hate them. Astros fans that are like try to defend it, no, stop, stop, stop. Like it was bad. It's ugly. It's not good for anybody. But you know what's you crazy know, though is like is. like. The the trash can thing drove everybody nuts, uh, and and it was you know others were accused, Yankees were accused of things, but then when you see, did you see the John Boy media thing where the the Yankees had had figured out who was it the pitcher that was like when he would look at third when he was in the stretch they knew it was a fastball, uh, and they just teed off on him and everybody's like oh that's such great baseball that's awesome they diagnosed his pitches like <laughs> it's the, kind of the same thing I mean. Uh- I, you know, like carry like, but you're not using like, you're not using yeah. cameras and stuff. So I 100%. get it. Like, yeah, Th- there was that. That's where the line got crossed when technology got involved. Right. That was a different thing altogether. But like stealing signs or looking for tells, like we talked about the Josiah St. John Red River oh, shootout a yeah. hundred times, yeah. like because they were reading off him. Like that's that's just smart. Like if you're ignoring that stuff, yeah, no, absolutely. That, that's totally your own fair. Damn I don't mean to say it's not fair. I mean, as a former baseball yeah. player, totally fair. But it is funny how that gets celebrated like that. I mean, mm-hmm. anyway. All right. Uh, I'm sure people didn't tune in to hear about Josh's Major League Baseball interest. <laughs> uh, tons of camps. You flew into Oklahoma a couple times this last month. Uh, really appreciate that. And uh, spent a lot of time around the uh, the, the summer camps. And uh, you put out a hot 11 for offense and defense so far. But let's just start overall impressions. I mean, 
I think it's what we've talked about this entire time. Just really impressed that Brent Venables is able, not just one camp, not just two, but all four sessions in his final sessions, to get guys in here that legitimately are, you know, big-time D1 prospects and guys that uh, they end up offering. Uh, and maybe, I don't know, maybe Van Buren is the best example of guys that, you know, just couldn't help themselves and wanted a camp. I mean, even even uh, uh, Mr. Denton, uh, uh Jackson Arnold. Jackson Arnold. Like mm-hmm. he just wanted to go out there and throw. Like it's it's it was just infectious the 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 way that the coaching staff kind of imparted the 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 desire for players to compete and come compete in Norman. I mean, Kerry, there's no better example than me going flying up twice in the matter of two weeks to go to two days of camp when you know over the last four or five years it's really been a question of like do you guys even need to go over there? Like you and Bob who live in Norman, it was much more a, (laughs) we're going to go talk to the coaches and see what's going on with off season. Like there was nothing, I mean, not nothing, but there was very little meaningful recruiting and evaluation going on at those camps. But well, you you know, know, when you bring in trace Ford and work him out and then don't offer him, I mean, uh, that was part of it too. I, there are people that still catch hell for me for that. That is, that was, that was a miss. That, that was a miss. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it is, um, th- there's just no way to deny it. And, you know, and Bob wrote the great story, uh, earlier this week, you know, just documenting all the offers that went down and it, it was, it was a great event. I mean, you know, OU has now made a new quarterback offer in 2024. You mentioned Michael Van Buren, um, a guy that I first saw last year watching, a late night West Coast game when St. Francis, uh, his school, St. Francis in Baltimore, had traveled to play De La Salle in Northern California. And, you know, I was watching Derek Moore, but I was like, who the hell is this little sophomore quarterback? He's making some great throws. And watched him at camp and still was like, well, okay, he's really good. And then I went back and watched his sophomore tape um, after the offer actually happened. And that's a, that's a dude, man. Like, I know people are centered on DJ Lagway and I've I've had a hand in that because I'm telling people like there are Cam Newton, Justin Fields like comparisons there. I mean, he is that kind of physical talent. So I get why people are excited, but if it doesn't work out, no you were to end up with Van Buren, that I, that's really good. I, I made it's the still comparison a championship level week. quarterback. Yeah, I, I made the comp earlier this week to Chris Leak. That's that's who he kind of reminds me of. I think he's maybe got a little more juice, a little you know, just a little more overall athleticism, but he's very accurate, throws an incredibly good deep ball. His timing is excellent. Um th- there's a lot I like there. And you know, Again, you're talking about a guy that playing at a major program in the Baltimore area. So Oklahoma, you know, and I know OU fans will almost be leery of getting Anything into Baltimore. a major program. Yeah. yeah in, in, uh, so you when's know, he going to transfer to USC? Exactly. I, I know that shoe is going to drop, but there is, um, there, there's just no question. I mean, that that is a potentially big thing for OU. Uh, I, I mentioned the same school that Derek Moore, the big time defensive lineman that was a long time OU commitment last year, uh, you know, was a St. Francis guy as well. They've got multiple more Division One guys uh, this year and the coming year, so it, that's a good program to be in at. But I mean, like I said, you just run down the list of all the guys that picked up offers. One of which, and Keon Brown, the the 2023 receiver, has already committed. So I mean, it's not like a a deal where, oh, these guys came in from all over the country, got their OU offer, and then went back home. Like, 
there's a lot of guys that got offered. Uh, you know, I think it's I think the final total right now is 18, and I think a few more still could. And I mean, if you told me eight, nine of those guys end up as part of you know those classes at Oklahoma, I don't think anybody should be surprised. They they really did a nice job um, just bringing one guy in after another. Well, and I know you know people. Uh, puckered a little bit when Brent started talking about, you know, we're not going to offer kids until they played varsity football and stuff. But to see them bring in a lot of 20, 23, 24 kids, uh, even 25 kids, I mean, uh, this is a staff that really is working ahead, even though you th- the first impression was they weren't going to be that way. Or, or maybe they weren't going to put as much emphasis on younger players. They clearly are. Oh, 100%. And you know what's really funny, Carrie, is one of the guys that I, you could speak to more than I because I know he really impressed you in that last session you oh, came yeah. up yeah. was the one guy they kind of broke that rule on because I think Jeff Levy didn't know what, what the, the model was going to be because the offer happened almost immediately after Levy was announced as OU's new offensive coordinator was to Corey and Moore from Duncanville in Dallas. And I know... You know, I liked what little I got to see, but I know you and Eddie and Bob were just blown away with what he brings to the table. Yeah, I mean, just a guy that clearly, and I didn't know he was that young, um, but just the explosion that he had, the step, uh, you know, the the, the change of direction, it, he was different. I mean, he just, it was different. And there were some really good receivers. There were some kids there. Who was the kid that got the offer like a, a couple of days after that we just kind of overlooked a little bit? Oh, um, the, uh, yes, it, he just got the offer in the last couple of days. The kid that was wearing know. blue shorts, I think. Yeah. Uh, Tall. Oh, uh-huh, the, the receiver. But oh, he's, I mean, he was God. just a different type of receiver than Moore. Like, Moore is a guy that's more, you know, more explosive, more violent. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of reminds you a little bit, like, more of a Mark Clayton type uh, mm-hmm. in, in terms of just, just sheer, you know, just just explosiveness on the field. And, like, you know, when he plants his foot and turn, you see a lot more tire dust spark up than with most guys. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bryant Wesco from Midlothian. Yeah, the, the Wesco we're talking kid, yeah. about. Yep, yep. So, and he was uh, a good and, player, but, like, compared to Moore, like, I'm like, okay, well, that's a potential five-star guy. And the, and the, the Wesco kid is like, he's just a really good player, and he might be a really good college player, but he doesn't just jump off the page like Moore did. Yeah, and I mean, so that brings the total to 19. So, wow. I mean, almost 20 guys picked up offers during this camp, and of those of those 19, only one of them didn't camp, and that's King Joseph Edwards, a Rivals 250 kid that came and visited and has... And that was before camp started, right? Like a couple No, of no, he, he was there on day three. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he, and he was hanging around. I mean, and he's... He's a guy that I'm pretty confident that – I mean, he's from Buford, a, a huge program in Georgia. Um, so I, I'm pretty confident that Todd Bates went and saw him this spring, was familiar with him, or, you know, Miguel Chavis, one or the other, and went through, saw him, and really just wanted to, you know, like like Brent talked about with the model of having the guys come in, visit, and then that's how you – you know, people that, that think – and, Carrie, like – there are some things, you know, we talked about it after that introductory press conference, those first couple of press conferences Brent did, me having some questions about some of the things they were saying and some of the things they were going to do. And I I think some of it was, this is what we think we're going to do. And then as they've had a time to talk about it and work through it, it's changed a little bit. I don't think they've said, hey, this is it. This is all it's going to be. I don't think they've drawn hard and fast lines. But I do think the one thing that they clearly 
put a lot of value in is you need to come and see us. You need to express interest. And then we're happy to, you know, reciprocate that interest. Yeah. I mean, we're not here to chase our own tails, basically. Yeah. Like you've got to show interest for us to be interested. I mean, you know, DJ Lagway, I mentioned Lagway a little while ago. He came up and just hung out for two days on campus. I mean, that is a – people yeah. are trying to write Oklahoma off with him. I've had to talk a few people on the board off the ledge. OU is – you know, I went and did that interview with him, and I, I – you know, I put him on the spot on camera, and I said, hey, you know, and there's – and there are some things – You, you know, were the star of, the, of his little documentary series. Yeah, I mean, to look <laughs> – to look behind the curtain a little bit, like there are a few things I'll go over before we start rolling. Like, hey, okay, what what are we looking at? What visits do you have coming? Because sometimes it'll have changed since we last talked, or just something will, that wasn't even there will you know have come up. So we'll, we'll go over some stuff and just kind of make sure I hit the high points. But we had not discussed his top five and you know anything along those lines. And I just put him on the spot and said, hey man, you know. Throw me a wink if OU is going to be in that top five. And he, he didn't hesitate for two seconds. I didn't really think he'd do it. But, I mean, when you're saying things like that, that means OU's going to get an official visit. That, that's, or, you know, something along those lines. Whether he, whether he waits that long to commit, I, I don't know. By but, the way, I, I, I did think this was telling as well. Like, okay, what is Jeff Levy going to be uh, as a quarterback whisperer? Like, what is, like, what is the attraction going to be? Are guys going to be interested? Like, are the national guys going to be interested in, in, in Jeff Levy? And, well, DJ Lagway is one. Van Buren is two. But I think what went under the radar a little bit is Zach Wilson's little brother, Isaac Wilson, showed up to camp. And, I mean, like, talk, Eddie talked to his dad a lot, but I heard – I was staying there as they were having the conversation, but, like, he literally is – and I'm sure they – I hope that Zach's got them a private jet uh, to make all these trips, but, like – he threw like 200 passes like the day before at some seven on seven event. Uh, and they were concerned about, you know, how he would look and stuff. But I mean, he's attracting big time guys to come in here and just work out for him. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a, that's a rivals 250 kid. And then you had a guy that, you know, you mentioned Isaac not really getting a lot of love. A guy that came in that not a lot of people are talking about, Stone Saunders, the 2025 kid from, uh, Bishop McDevitt in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania came in. Um, he is, you know, for those that, that, that name doesn't mean anything, that's the same school that LaShawn McCoy came from. So, I mean, they, they have a history of some big-time athletes coming out of that program. This is a guy, Kerry, has Texas A&M, Wisconsin, um, uh, let's see, Michigan, Louisville. I mean, I, this is uh, Maryland. I mean, some good offers for a kid that is about to start his sophomore year of high school. So I, I think there is, you know, there, it's clear Levy is both going to cast a wide net and secondarily can bring these guys to campus. He can get them to come visit. Like, I, I think all the stuff we've heard, and, you know, you guys have talked about it sitting in press conferences with him. He's incredibly likable. Like, he, he is a very easy guy to chat with, and I think that resonates with the players. I think it resonates with their parents. And he's just, I mean, you know, I, I know some listeners out here are going to like this because it's right up my alley, but – He's an offensive lineman, man. We're, we're good to talk to. We're good people <laughs> like that. So, um, you know, we, we, we got O-line love. But, I mean, that, that really, Levy is, I, I think you're dead on. And you, I mean, even, you know, some young guys, uh, a couple of young guys in state that I really liked, uh, Grady Adamson, the kid from Deer Creek that I've talked about a lot, I think that's going to be a guy. When I watched him at camp, that's a power five quarterback Dude, I'm really to happen. I'm, I'm really intrigued by the Carl Albert kid. 
Yes, Cash Ferris, a 2025 quarterback from uh, from Carl Albert. That guy looks like, I mean, I don't know if he's going to be an OU kind of guy. No, but no if I'm you not told saying me, from that, but just yeah. big, tall, you know, yeah. throws the ball well. I, I, I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, but sure. somebody, he's going D1 somewhere. Sure. I, I mean, if you told me he signed with Kansas State 18 months from now, it wouldn't shock me at all. Like, I'm like, okay, I could get there. Good athlete, totally gets the RPO game, very comfortable. Hell, look out That's for a lot. like an Iowa State, maybe. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There, there's, there is a, especially the way Iowa State recruits Oklahoma. And then, uh, you know, just to kind of, and a quick one, cause he's so young, but Enid might have a guy in Connor Quintero, a, uh, 2026 quarterback, you know, a little undersized, but he's a freaking freshman. Like, let's not, you know, we're not, I'm not going to get too crazy knocking a guy that, you know, has not ended middle school or it just ended middle school when I was seeing him at camp. So, Long way to go for him, but he spins a nice ball. He's got some elite 11 background. Um, there, there's a lot in state, I think, at quarterback. And, you know, we're not even talking about Shaker Rising, Jackson Presley, the new move in at Jinx, uh, that's got half a dozen power five offers in that same 2026 class. Um, you know, the, there is a, a David McComb at Edmund Memorial. There, there's a lot to like. It's in state at quarterback in the coming years. So uh, after what's kind of been a dry spell, honestly, there there hasn't been that same in-state quarterback talent that we'd seen for a while. It seems like maybe it's going to pick up over the next two or three years. Yeah, I mean, I think that that was the take that I took when I my take with the the session that I went to was just how impressive it was to see that much offensive talent in camp. And I know it, by that session, the defensive guys had kind of died down. There were just a couple. Uh, you know, guys that you really wanted to see. I think one was the safety that moved to linebacker, or the linebacker that started safety and moved to linebacker uh, mm-hmm. that you guys were watching in the afternoon session. And uh, the one but, lane, yep. But now, did he end up getting an offer like a few days after? Or is, he did. Okay. And, and I don't want to correct myself. You were, because you were shocked that he didn't get an offer at camp. Yes, I, I thought he was a no doubter. The second I watched him, and I, I, I tried to relay this story, but it's it's better to do in this medium than than in the written word, but we're watching him, and I, I want to clarify something. I called him Dewan Lane. He told Bob it's Dejean, uh-huh. although it's D E J U A N. So I, you know, I just for anybody out there that that's he told Bob word for word that it's Dejean or something like that. I, I, again, I read it, so I, I'm guessing at what Bob was phonetically putting out there for me. But um, what, what I did want to say is, so I'm watching him. And he's going through linebacker drills, and he'd gone through safety in the morning session. Well, as I as I'm watching him, I see him start doing bag drills, and he's right there. Danny Stutzman was really involved. He's there the whole time, and st- I mean, this is a kid that stands next to Stutzman and doesn't look like a little kid. I mean, he is legitimately six three, two hundred and five pounds, a big, good looking kid that's just going into his junior year. Well, he starts going through bag drills and I see him like just shuffling, you know, just back and forth. And he, and Stutzman takes him through it a couple of times. And he, and Ted Roof, of course, is watching it closely. And I see Stutzman look at Roof like, damn, you know, like th- that's a guy right there. Like, and so I was like, okay, th- this offer is going to happen. It surprised me that it took a couple of days. What, what he, what Lane explained to me was they wanted to go over his grades. They checked him a little bit. You know, I, I think maybe they didn't know a lot about him yet. Um, so they did a little due diligence, and once that all cleared, then then he had an offer. Outside of that, uh, just defensively, we talked a lot about. Is there anybody that we really left off offensively? That well, I mean, you've got a. I'm trying to think 
Now the running back that committed was he camp? Did he camp? Uh, just no, committed? no. Uh, Caleb Hicks did not commit. He was in for an official visit last week, and obviously okay. we can we can get into all that. But no, he was um, he wasn't a camper, um, and just really like I said, um, not like I said, but. He was a guy that I, I always do that. I, I want to act like I was having a conversation. Um, but no, he was, uh, he was just a guy that I, I think just didn't want to waste any time. And I feel really bad if we want to get into that. I feel really bad that he wasn't on my forecast because I was having a conversation with a really good source last week about a different player. And the person kind of said, yeah, you know, at running back, uh, it, it could be Caleb Hicks and somebody else. And it, like, it registered, but I was so focused on the other story, I don't think I took it to mean, like, okay, he's probably just about that's in the who boat. That's who they're Yeah, and on. so as soon as he did it, I was like, oh, crap. Like, and I knew it, and I was like, man, I, I'm, I, I, I'm, what, what can I say? I am a totally into the competition of the forecast, so I, uh, I am a little pissed I missed that opportunity. But, uh, I mean, was there anybody else offensively, camp-wise, that you really wanted to um, highlight? That, Or did we hit pretty much everything? I think probably the only other guy, just because it was a little bit of a limited group, would, you know, we talked about Keon Brown several times already. I would say the only other guy is Casey Poe, the offensive lineman, the only offensive lineman at camp that picked up an offer over the four days. Uh, big guy to Lindale, uh, kind of East Texas, for those that aren't familiar a uh, big shot thrower. I believe he won state for Lindale in the shot this year. Always like guys like that. It kind of t- speaks to athleticism and explosion and those kind of things. So I, I think that's a, that's a good indicator and really well put together guy, real broad shouldered, long armed, um, you know, but, but lean, you know, not, not a big heavy guy. Like he really, and you know, we've talked about it for years, Carrie. He at camp. Bill put him at center, Bill put him at guard, Bill put him at tackle, and he did fine at all three. Like I was like, there's no greater thing you could have done when I when I was talking to Casey himself than doing that because that I mean, we know Bill values that flexibility about as much as anything else he yeah. loves in an offensive lineman. He loves guys that can do a lot and he can plug his best five in there kind of regardless. Okay, so defensively, uh, who was the most impressive visitor they brought in, and who did they make the most ground with, uh, ground up with? You know, I I think you'd have to say David Stone is probably the most you know notable visitor they brought in. You know, a top ten guy in the twenty twenty four class. Uh, not you know not a huge surprise. He's back from IMG. You know, an Oklahoma City area guy, but he didn't have to camp. He you know he's already got his offer in hand. He camped at OU last summer, even though this staff, you know, at least all of its members weren't there. He he could have just come and hung out. He didn't have to do that, but he wanted to come and compete. That's kind of who David is. And, um, you know, I, I think he was the most notable guy. But as far as guys who picked up offers, I I would be hard-pressed to go against uh, Kelvion Riggins, the 2025 guy that showed up on day one from South Oak Cliff in Dallas. Uh, you know, again, I, I, I never know people listening how familiar they are, but South Oak Cliff kind of shocked the world, won a state championship last year, the first in DISD in like, in Dallas Independent School District in like 60 years. It, it, it was a big, big deal. Like that, that just doesn't happen. And, um, so he, they helped them to a state title, uh, 
linebacker, super athletic, looked really great, really well put together kid. Uh, they also on the same day offered Devon Keys from Alito, and um, they you know they were going one after another. And Keys is really impressive, kind of more of a linebacker safety hybrid type. While Riggins, you're like that's going to be a dude. I mean he's he's six one, two oh five, two ten, and and cut up and is you know like I said hasn't started his sophomore year of high school so he is he's going to be a monster in time but yeah I mean those those were the ones as I you know just off the top of my head that really caught my eye all right so let's let's talk a little bit about commitments I mean we've already talked about the Hicks kid um but you know other things that are out there also I think we need to talk about this UCF transfer running back as well obviously somebody that Jeff Lebby was familiar with from his days there yeah, that is just a really interesting little addition. Um, my ex, the the interesting question is, is he a scholarship player? Like, because it's my impression they don't have that spot to give. Yeah, but it's possible that our numbers are just wrong. Like, and that and there is somewhere else that either hasn't announced it or quietly. You know, just kind of slid out. I I don't know the answer to that question yet, but if that guy's a walk on, you're talking about a heck of a good walk on that knows your system, probably can come in and and take some snaps for you early, and adds to that depth where you're not relying so heavily on two young guys like Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuk. I mean, you can really let them kind of grow into it and whatever you know and what and maybe they take those steps and they take those reps and that's fine that's great but they don't have to do it it's more of they earned it than hey man we've got to give somebody these snaps because we don't want to wear marcus major and eric gray down yeah um i'm trying to think um hicks has there been anybody else this last week uh yeah yeah you had uh, uh cade mcintyre oh the, yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of big athlete from nebraska uh, Cade McIntyre, another guy visited during the whole camp thing. He he was there. Uh, I believe he came in Wednesday, th- Thursday, and then left early Friday morning. Right as camp was getting rolling, um, big athletic guy. You know, six four, two hundred pounds. Another one of these guys. I mean, you know that. And I know OU fans are, and we, we probably need to get into it a little bit. OU fans getting a little nervous. These you know these last few commitments have been three stars. And it's not the. <laughs> Not the four I have to stop star joking about that. Guys. I have to stop using that as a joke. I mean, right? I got, there are seven commitments right now, and six of them are three stars. I mean, I I get why people would be like, "Oh, that that's bad." When I watch Caleb Hicks on tape, I don't see a three star. I I see a rivals two fifty kid all day, every day. Uh, Josh Bates. I know there are people around that program that think he's the best center in the country in the class. That's fine. Like whatever anybody else wants to evaluate him as. And Keon Brown, you'll never convince me that's not a top 150 guy in the country. Like 6'3", yeah, 180 and can yeah. run. Like I, I, I'll take him eight days a week. No no problem. So like, and I mean. and Well, the, pro- the problem the here is this. Brent mm-hmm. Venables and his staff, they don't have the track record at Oklahoma. Yep. Uh, to to evaluate and and be right on their evaluations, like they just don't have the benefit of that. So yep. it's only time that's going to make you say, "Oh, I don't care if he's a three star because this guy was a three star and he was pretty damn good." Yep, I, and and that's and that you know, and the, there there are two things. First, you're not wrong. You're not going to win 
betting that everyone else is wrong all the time. Like you, you, uh, the, the house always wins in Vegas and it always wins in recruiting. The best players usually turn out to be the best players. Mathematically speaking, it holds up. Four stars are better than three stars. Three stars are better than twos and fives are better than everybody. Uh, just everybody. So like, okay, that makes sense. That's not to say though that there aren't exceptions. And when you look at what Brent built at Clemson, Everybody likes to talk about the Brian Brzees and the Dexter Lawrences and the, you know, all the big five star linemen and, and the five stars they landed. And that's fair. But it ignores that they were at, Grady Jarrett was a three star guy that nobody talks about. That guy may end up in the Hall of Fame. Like he's having a great NFL career. It's one of the best defensive tackles in the NFL and was an afterthought in recruiting. Brent and his staff went and found those guys. Like, so I, Again, if your whole class is three stars, the odds that you're going to get great results are small. I, I, I just, I don't believe in that. At the same time, you're going to have some, and some of these guys, I would say at least three of these six current commitments end up as four stars, like, and may end up in the rivals 250 conversation. You know, how words have multiple meanings. Um, mm -hmm. well, I got in a lot of trouble for referring to a coach as a psycho. Um, well, now you're beloved for it, so but you know, word, I will words say can this. have separate meanings. <laughs> I think psycho has a different meaning with Brent Venables. Like when you talk about his evaluation of players and his just complete sellout to identifying talent and evaluating talent, like he's a total psycho about it, like in a good way. Like so, if 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 he's going to see a guy, especially on defense, and he's going to offer him. Don't worry about it, because Brent's a freaking evaluation psycho. Uh, he he is absolute like he'll leave no stone unturned. No. I, mean, I mean, guys, or, I mean, guys. I'm so used to talking to the group of us, but remember, you know, just a few years ago, that it, it was Isaiah Simmons, yeah. a kid out of Kansas that no one gave a flip about. Brent was like, that guy's pretty interesting. Turn him into the number eight overall pick, a first round draft pick. I mean, like, I that's not to like, again. You can't do that all the time, but at the same time, yeah, you're not gonna bat. You're, if, if you bat, that's one of those things. Like if you bat 500, that's about as but as well yes. as you can hope to do. You bat 500 with three star guys, you're doing a hell of a job. Like because everyone loves to point out Sam Bradford. No one wants to acknowledge, you know, all. And I, I, I'm not gonna list names, but you can go to the rivals database Hunter and Wall. all the three star quarterbacks that have signed with OU that. Didn't have great careers. Hunter Wall, Drew Allen. I mean, like there, there's other guys, and it's again, that's not a shot at them. That's just the reality of it. They were very good high school players that were a coin flip and how they would go in college. Sam Bradford, it it turned up heads. I mean, if you want to look at it that way, and a lot of other guys, it turns up tails. Like that's that's just the way that goes. So you can't live like that. But again, I think a couple of these guys, it's a lot like. Um, the Sam, uh, see, I, I I have to say, like the Sam thing is so stupid though, because like if Sam Bradford had been playing like at a powerhouse program, let's say he was playing like if he was out at oh, modern shit. day, you're gonna or go, something, you're gonna go here. Oh, Eddie, Eddie's not gonna like this. I don't care. He's gonna be very upset. I mean, look, okay. we all know that he had a his, their team, his junior his junior team was a lot better than the senior year team, and he was running for his life. But, like, if he was playing at a powerhouse program like somewhere out in California, he would have been a five-star. He was just that – he had that much arm talent. Um, 
I don't know. Like, I, he would have definitely been more highly regarded than he was. I, I agree with you that because I remember talking um, to to his head coach, and uh, we were having the conversation, you know, kind of before Sam had really any major offers, and he said, you know, Iowa State kind of came in and was like, well, we don't know what, you know, I, I think well, Michigan I a, had come on, in the I have day a before. caveat. I have a caveat. Yeah. If he hadn't played every sport on earth – that, Besides that football, uh-huh. he would have been a five-star. Because, I mean, like, w- when you talk about arm talent, Sam's arm talent in high school wasn't that evident. It was once he got in a weight program, stopped playing basketball and golf and doing everything else he was doing, and could finally put on some weight, all of a sudden his arm went from eh to, oh, that's pretty good. Like, he, he could make I'm all the I'm telling you, you're wrong, because I was as much of a film nerd as you were, and when you would watch him roll out of the pocket and throw it deep, like, mm-hmm. you know, because he was always rolling out of the pocket, but, like, yep. if he stood back in the pocket, I remember highlighting film of his and breaking it down. This is, like, the beginning days of Scoop HD. Like, the throws that he would make over the middle when he could just drop back and throw it were amazing. Like, and you saw his arm strike. But he also had passes where he was getting chased uh and a guy was tackling him and he still threw it anyway thinking he could get it there uh and it looked like he was he wasn't even worthy of you know getting a scholarship at any division one school well and that was the thing like i remember talking to people that were so excited about him as a junior and then as a senior they were like oh no because he was i mean he was almost one-to-one touchdown to interception as a senior it was like 21 to 19 he was running for his life on every yes They, they really, they had one offensive lineman in Myron McKinney, uh, that I want to, I can't remember where Myron signed now. I, I'm going to blank out. And they had, they had three really good players. We all thought really Myron McKinney was really good. I mean, like he yeah, was going to be a good I, division one player. I thought Myron was, I thought Myron, oh, you should have offered Myron. Like it was my feeling at the time. Okay. Myron went to Oklahoma State. Okay. So, um, but yeah, so it is, um, like I, I don't disagree, but like I said, with Sam, when you're, if you're talking about accuracy with his arm talent, Sam was always special in that yeah. regard. I, I agree completely with that. But like the, oh, he's going to push it downfield and can really do that. I mean, he could at the high school level, but I didn't see it projecting until all of a sudden he got to college and put on 25 pounds and looked like a, he went from like this skinny little kid to like, oh, that's, that's a dude. Like, and, and he did it in a year. I didn't so, think we were going to get into a Sam Bradford uh, breakdown. Uh, without athletic. Eddie here, that's, that's a I know. But I will just say this. The best I've ever seen, even to this day, of mm-hmm. rolling to his left and throwing throwing the ball with accuracy. Yeah. He, he had I a mean, special, special talent of accuracy rolling to his left, which if, can, if people don't know this for a right-handed quarterback, your natural you know, momentum is, uh, is to roll to the right and throw the ball. When you throw to the left, you're throwing against your body's momentum, and a lot of people just can't do it. Well, Kerry, you're one of what? Maybe five guys who can say they saw pro days of number one overall quarterbacks within like a decade of each other. It's not like in the NFL draft. Industry. Yeah, three of like them. You, yeah. yeah, so, and I, I remember like, I, and I, obviously I wasn't there, but I remember talking to you after that Sam workout, and you were like, that's as good as I've ever seen. Like, it was... It was humble, like, and I remember, you know, I think it was, it might have been Mayock, who no, everybody knows. It was Mel Brandt. It was Mel Brandt. Uh, that Mel- was like, that's the best word. Gil Brandt. Gil Brandt, yeah. Yep. I, I combined two old people there. Uh, oh. He's Gil Brandt. Uh, well, Mel Kuyper, I guess, isn't old, technically. Uh, not like Gil Brandt, but Gil Brandt said that's the best 
it's the best pro day I've seen since Troy Aikman, and everybody just ran with it. Yep. Yeah, that I remember. That might have got him the number excited. one pick once he said that. Once that came out of his mouth, mm-hmm. he, there was no question he was the number one pick. Now he and you know and, and again you know I think we don't want to get into that. What we want to take away is that <laughs> Kerry does not feel Putnam City North is a major program. He feels they are oh God. downtrodden, definitely beneath. That Duncan. team was. I mean, Eddie had, Eddie had been Eddie was gone. I mean that that was the problem. <laughs> I think that they lost Eddie. They lost the heart of their team. They, they, they lost couldn't the locker recover. room guy, yeah, the glue guy, mm-hmm. exactly. Yep. All right, uh, so let's let's throw this out there. Uh, we went over the commitments, uh, recent commitments. Do we want to talk about the PWO, not PWO, real quick, just so people that don't know? I mean, I think it's good yeah. to address it on the pod, just because it doesn't get into he said, she said kind of things. It, it's a little more clear, yeah. Um, so over the weekend, uh, Chapman McCown uh, took an uh, official visit to Oklahoma, was the only guy that, that showed up that didn't already have a scholarship. So he announces on Sunday he is, he is committing to Oklahoma. Now, usually those have some giveaways in the way they, you know, when a guy accepts a preferred walk-on, um, which is, like I said, which is what I told, was told coming into the weekend was the situation. Um Usually you'll see, like, I'm going to continue my academic and athletic career at Oklahoma. Like, it's not like I'm accepting a scholarship offer. I, you know, I'm so excited to commit to coach. Like, it's just worded a little differently. And if you've read enough of those little, uh, you know, the, uh, the notes apps or whatever they choose to put them on, you know what they look like. It's oh, wow. Edward Radosevich. Eddie calling in right now. He heard. Trouble. He knew. He, he, his All right, you're on the pod. Out. What's the problem? I've been arrested. No, I was just kidding. It, uh, <laughs> nothing. It was nothing important. I was just, I had something else to tell you. Um, okay, I'll call Eddie, you when we're done. We're, we're pretty close to being done. There's okay, been some Putnam City North slander, Eddie. They, he can't, Eddie, you can't hear Josh and you won't be able to hear Josh. I'm just telling you right Son now. of a. We just had a. Listen to the pod, Edward. 10 minute Sam Bradford discussion and now he's trying to say that I'm slandering Putnam City North. So. Well, that's just, that's terrible. Uh, i said that the here's here's the gist of it the reason that sam had a bad senior year is because you had left and they lost they lost the locker room because you weren't there anymore that's exactly right that's exactly right so there i stuck up for you that that is true he did say that Mm -hmm. yep fair well that's a timely call in then so i'll call you back as soon as we're done all right no problem all right later um Oh, yeah, so we're talking Chapman McCown. So um, on Sunday, he, he tweets out that he's committed to Oklahoma, and I I put something on the board almost immediately because I had really meant to say something coming out of camp after I'd had a chance to speak with some people and, and, and kind of solidify what the situation was. And I posted something along the lines of, hey, guys, what's been explained to me is this is going to be a preferred walk-on. They do like him. They're, they're interested. This isn't just a another guy. I mean, they, they use an official visit because they, they like him. But Chapman, and I've got to believe, you know, someone relayed the message because within about 10 or 15 minutes of me posting that, Chapman just randomly sends me a text message. It's like, hey, I just wanted you to know I've got a scholarship from Oklahoma. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I check around with a few sources, and it was kind of a – he and Brent Venables have uh, a the bond. The families that's a are little, very close. Yes. I, I, yes. I talked so, to somebody, uh, mm-hmm. and I think that – I don't know exactly, like, if he was, you know, one of Brent's neighbors over the years, but 
the families have stayed very close since he was in Norman last time. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. and he's, he, I know that Brent, you know, really values, you know, that kid and wants to, it's just like you said, he got an official visit without a scholarship. So that tells yeah. you something like, uh, Brent is doing everything he can to help this kid. And if he wants to be a part of the OU program, he wants to be a part of the OU program. Absolutely. And, and so, and again, I mean, as, as a preferred walk on, you're getting a really good one. I mean, this guy has multiple offers already that that's not, this isn't normal. This isn't usually the way it plays yeah. out. Usually a guy will take a PWO like in the spring of his senior year. Not, not at this point. So, um, but anyway, so what is, um, what was explained? And so I kind of like, okay, let me check around. And it, it was kind of a, I don't think that's the plan, but there was there again, there's such a familiarity between the, uh, Chapman's family and Brent. There was kind of a, well, maybe something happened, but as I dug through it more through the week, it just sounds like he has a scholarship of some kind. Yeah. I do not think. Well, it but is a you know, when you're a preferred walk on that implies mm-hmm. that a scholarship will be available Sure. Uh, if you know, if if you become a key member of the football team, mm-hmm. basically, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I read in an article, and I can't remember where I read it, but it, Chapman said something. You know, when someone kind of pressed him on it, it was like, and I honestly, I didn't want to, because then it turns into like I'm being the hard on on his day, like he's excited, he committed. Yeah, I, that's I, a I, bad terminology to use. No, no, I I went for hard on because I mean, <laughs> you're being a dick. Like it feels like you're being a dickhead, and so I was like, eh, I don't want to, I don't want to push that one. So I was like, I'm just gonna let that be. But I know he talked to someone else, and it was kind of a, um, yeah, we're gonna keep the status of that scholarship between Coach Venables and I. Like, so he knows the score, and yeah. you know, like, and it's fine. And like, like and again, people, I get like it. you pointed out, the other people pointed out, he announced every scholarship that he had. So, and he never announced yeah. one for Oklahoma. Exactly. I mean, like, and you, you really think he's not a kid from Norman's not going to announce an OU scholarship, even if he didn't grow up an OU fan, which he has acknowledged. So I, I don't know what's the deal in Norman, but like, I can't think of the last Norman kid up. Oh, that's not fair. Parker Andrews, his teammate at Norman North, definitely an OU fan. He's the kid that famously was throwing the horns down uh, while taking the picture with Tom, uh, yeah, Tom Herman. So that was oh, a yeah 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 very 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 popular move on the board. Uh, but other than that, I, Norman kids like Ryan Broyles didn't grow up a he grew up a Texas fan. Like it, I mean, there there was all these. There's always the Norman guys that just didn't weren't into OU for whatever reason. Well, I mean, I think most of it is they don't want to stay in this town uh, their whole lives. Yep. So, like a lot of Norman kids go to school in OSU. I mean, they just in yeah. Stillwater kids. I'm sure. A lot of them come to Norman just to get out of Stillwater. I mean, can relate. So, you know, no problem. All right. Be, be um, anything else that uh, you want to get on? I'm, I'm now worried that Eddie can't check into his new hotel because there might be something wrong with the credit card <laughs> authorization form or something. Oh, That's no. You're, I'm just having bad um, things going through my head. The only two things I did want to say, the other, we talked about Caleb Hicks, obviously now an OU commitment. Chapman McCown, we covered that situation. Uh, Lewis Carter visited... Uh, last weekend as well as an official visitor from Florida. I haven't heard much on that. I, I mean, I think OU's got a chance there, but I, I I'm go, I'm, 
I would think if they were really in it, I would have heard a little more than I've heard so far. Uh, but the two visits I heard did go very well were Colton Vasek, uh, the defensive end from Austin Westlake, uh, who has now moved into the Rivals 100 as a, as Huge a big dude. time end. Yeah, they're, they're really big on him. And Cole Adams, the, uh, the wide receiver from Owasso, uh, talked to Cole a little bit early in the week and he was just like, it was absolutely unbelievable. He, he just, you could tell. He and that's a big really change for him, himself. right? Like the, the it's a it's a little bit of a turnaround from what you were feeling earlier. Yes, and because when I went up to interview him right after he was offered, there was kind of a this is either going to go one of two ways. Like he's going to dive in with OU, or he's got that offer, and now he can be like, "That's you know, I I I'm wanted good. to prove yeah. that I had the offer." Yeah, and so I I I think it's pretty clear he he's pretty big on OU right now. One more guy to ask you about we didn't talk about the tight end from Allen that we were all impressed with. Devon Mitchell, yeah. I mean, you, you, it's not going to take a long time when you look like that because that morning when he, he tweeted out he was coming, I, I some of these kids are so tough because I've talked to that kid for six months now. Like He knows me. I've sent him pictures from camps. Like We talk, I would say, biweekly probably, just kind of catching up, shooting the bull. And didn't say boo to me about the fact he was coming up to OU camp. And he tweets it out. I'm like, dude. He's like, oh, my bad, man. Like, I mean, they just don't think of that stuff. But as soon as he tweeted it out, I texted in our group. And I was like, well, he'll be an offer. Like, th there was just no question. I mean, he is so immensely yeah. talented. 6'4", yeah. 210, incredibly long And you arm. can see him just becoming a monster. Like, Oh, yeah. You know, I love he me some tight end man love, uh, man crushing. You, you, That's kind of your your home base man crush. Like if I could, cause I, there was another guy that I was like, Oh, the Malachi Coleman, when he came in for a, the unofficial visit, we just hanging out. I was like, if you saw him carry, you'd be in love too. big, long arm dude. Same kind of deal. To be fair. I've never been in love as I never fell as hard for anyone as mm -hmm. I did. OJ Howard. Yeah, that was, that was, I mean, it was understandable. Uncomfortable. Well, I, I was going to say uncomfortable, okay. but understandable. It's, it's true too. I mean, like there was, you know, I, if you I mean, remember that day, you got pretty flush. I don't think it was because of O.J. Howard. Oh, they thought I was going to die at ha <laughs> when they took us in to talk to... We talked to some, like, a, like, they had, like, an American pie actor come in there and talk to them. It was weird. Oh, that's right. That's right. It's I the guy. That. I, I think it's the that. guy that... Uh, it's the guy from Ted, isn't it? That was the rental guy, the rental counter guy. That was that, best friends with David Strathairn or whatever, or that's or right. not that David Strathairn, uh, 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 the guy from Top Gun. Um, yes, uh, from uh, River Runs Through It, the preacher father. Oh, uh, Tom, Tom Scarrett. Tom Scarrett. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, that is that's wild. That's a wow. We got to Tom. You know, this pod's got everything. We got Tom Scarrett. The, worked the in there. first I'm feeling really good about that. The first rivals camp. The motivational speaker was the guy from Ted that pretended he was friends with Tom Scarrett. Yes. I don't know what he even talked about, but I just, I remember they were bringing me muscle milk by the, the bucket full, like, please drink this. You look like you're oh. going to die. And Eddie and I spoke about this, uh, I think when I was up there for my Oklahoma tour, the, the messed up thing about you is you wouldn't even let me drive back to the hotel to pick up our stuff. Like you had damn near died on the sideline. I was like, Carrie, let me drive. You're like, no, I got it. I'm good. I'm like, you're not good. You're I was white. fine. I was just really red. And I, I don't believe in sunscreen because I'm an idiot. Oh, oh. 
people. People. He was. But the problem was, I, I was carrying around so sunburned. The problem was, so was I was carrying around a full tripod and cinema camera gear. I got some great footage out of that. <laughs> but I was carrying around literally a hundred extra pounds on my shoulders everywhere. So if I wanted to move ten yards, I had to pick up a hundred pounds of equipment, move ten yards, and reset up and and shoot. Oh. And there were so many OU guys: DJ Ward, Stan Von Taylor. Uh, Greg Bryant, I mean, when he I'm gonna, was committed. I'm just going to say, Yahoo released my footage as a sizzle reel. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and they showed it to like of the corporate course. people. Here we go. So, you know, mm-hmm. you got to yeah. you gotta bleed for your art so, sometimes. So I showed you. I hear I hear. Oh, no, I was really, it, it was one of the worst, hardest days of my life. <laughs> I do remember, like, I remember, I think it was... Uh, I swear it was, uh, uh, oh, what's his name? Um, uh, pimp guy, LJ Moore. LJ Moore, yes. like, literally looked at me one time. He was like, dude, are you okay? And I was like, maybe, maybe I, maybe I do need to take a break. Like, maybe I need to go sit down and find, like, a <laughs> towel and, like, just drench it and put it over my head for a while. The first time I that I ever remember was I was at a camp with Krabby where I'm at the Texas State seven on seven. I've been working for rivals for like, Two months, and I am so sunburned. Moses Malone Jr. is like, man, are you okay? Do you want to go into this? Like, because I was doing an interview with him, and he's like, do you want to go into this tent and do this, man? Like, it's fine. Like, he was, he thought I was going to die. <laughs> it happens, man. You start getting older, and you think, you know, you could do anything. Like, you're still eighteen. Yes, yes. At that point, I was nineteen, so I I was just stupid. Like there, there's no no. no the, you need I, the when you you live that life, you need the bucket hats and all that stuff. So yeah, there's I, a reason I, those coaches wear long sleeves everywhere. In the I have summer. gotten to where I travel with with suntan lotion. It, it it gets flagged sometimes at the airport when I go through security, but I don't care. It's coming with me. All right, uh, that's gonna do it. Uh, Josh, glad we could get you on to uh, talk a little bit of recruiting to go mm-hmm. with the baseball. I'm gonna get this puppy up, and then I'm gonna call Edward and find out what trouble he's gotten into. Uh, in Omaha, but uh, more stuff coming, and uh, he's got a news and notes that'll be up uh, tonight as well. So, uh, guys, thanks for helping me piece together the pod this week, even though Bob Persbillo uh, is on double secret probation for missing two weeks in a row. Uh, So we'll see if we can get him back next week. Uh, But thanks for listening uh, to this episode of the Unofficial 40 Podcast from Soonerscoop.com.